Hey everyone and welcome back to the Purposeful Mindset Podcast. I'm so grateful that you're connected to this podcast and I'm excited to share yet another episode with you. This podcast, as you know, is all about creating the future of servant leadership and help more people to find their true purpose and meaning to life. Today, I have another incredible, inspiring guest with you all. I cannot wait for you to listen into this episode. Her name is Petra Velzaboa. She was raised in a religious cult and was brought up in a way to always put others first, live by a group mentality, have no access to formal education and ultimately be told that herself and others her age were being groomed to save the world. Because these things are never black and white. It gave both her the worst start in life and the best. She had access to countries, people and a beautiful blended sibling group. This also brainwashed her and often led her to an intense punishment if she didn't adhere to the rules. She had learned to numb her pain and fear but life became difficult so instead of facing it, she avoided it, numbed and distracted herself. The simple act of speaking her truth out loud helped her overcome the shame that keeps most of the people we know today suffering much longer than they really need to. In this episode, Petra shares her story of how she left this cult lifestyle and mentality to this now more confident and brave soul, but quickly found herself living this double life in London. She shares so many tips on this episode on how to take action without overthinking and gain the courage to shift your life from adversity to advantage. Without further ado, let's get straight into this episode. Petra, I am so excited to finally have you on the podcast. Honestly, I don't know how many times I had to go back and forth emailing your PA, <laughs> oh, trying to get, try to get a slot um, just to have a conversation with you for an hour and basically just want you to share kind of your journey and your what you've been through so far. Because I know the first time I met you a couple months ago, really, before that, it was through LinkedIn where I was kind of somehow just really wanted to meet you because I saw you were a speaker and then I saw some of your videos. And I was just like, wow, I really want to get in touch with this person. I want to learn from her. And I'm just super grateful that we have the friendship that we have today and just to learn from you and that you came and supported me at one of my speaking gigs. Thank you. Th- thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah. let's just go straight into it. Like, I just want you to basically introduce yourself and... Okay. Basically, just share your story because I think a lot, a lot of the listeners that listen to my podcast love stories. Like, I don't know why, but a lot of people just relate to other people's story. And I think you have a, such a powerful story. Um, I would love for you to just share that with everyone. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, it was great. I loved the way that we met, actually, right? Because <laughs> um, you did. You did like a, a subtle, really kind harassing on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. Kind of us, like you were like, hey, well, you were just super genuine and cool. And then I was, I, in my mind, I was going, that's so nice. I haven't got time for this. I don't know if I replied a little bit. Um, and then like, oh, I said, can you re- let me know in three months or in a month? I, I just like pushed you off. I was like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. And like, like clockwork, you like messaged me when I said in a month or whatever it was. I'm a creep then, when it comes to following up. <laughs> No, but it's good. It was good. Like I was just like respect. All right, let's. Uh, he's passed the first test. Let's meet. <laughs> and it's been great to see your progression into the the podcast world and everything that you do on social media. Um, my story. Okay, so currently I'm a mental health. Like I work in the mental health space. I'm a coach. I'm a psychotherapist. Um, I run my own 
business. I've got a podcast. So like, I'm a pretty busy lady. So I'm sorry for like, uh, it was hard to, to organize it. Um, uh, should I start right from the beginning? Like how far back do you want? Wherever you feel like is the, is the best for, for you to bring the most value, I guess. Because um, I, I, think, you know, I think your whole story was, super, when you first told me, yeah, I was just like, damn, like I've been through nothing <laughs> compared to this lady. <laughs> um, and then I've been through nothing compared to other people. So it's very interesting, like the, the challenges that people face and like behind the, the face, what people um, actually assume versus what's actually real. I was speaking at a conference the other day and it was the first time in a long time that I opened with, so, and this is true people, um, I was born and raised in a religious cult called the Children of God. And like everyone just looked, stared at me and I could see that they'd all had made an assumption about my kind of white face, white middle class, like glasses on. I'm like, I'm a psychotherapist and I came to teach them and do all this stuff, right? And everyone was like that. And I went, look at all of your faces and um, the assumptions that you made about who I am. When I, when I do this, do talks in schools I often ask the question what story do you think I have what background do you think I have and of course kids are really honest right so they'll say all sorts of stuff that they would think I went to some school or that I'm American and all this stuff that (laughs) right um so I was born and raised in a a religious cult um I was born in Holland so I have a Dutch passport but don't connect to the country at all like if I go to Holland even though I look kind of like I fit in uh I don't fit in and people ask me where I'm from that sort of thing um, when I was two, we moved to India, me, my mom and her two, me, my sister, and she was pregnant where she met my dad, um, who, uh, is from America. So he's my stepfather. Right. Uh, and suddenly we became a blended family. So he's African-American. He's got two like, sort of black kids. My mom's got two brunettes. I'm like the, the odd one out as the blonde kid. And suddenly we're this like United Colors of Bunnington family. Right. Um, people often think you know, they make assumptions about a cult, like it was all dark and horrific and all of that. But actually some of the memories were great. We, we moved to India. We, um, uh, I've lived in Russia. I've lived in Kenya. I've lived all over Europe. And so there were some things that were great. But think like hippie communes, lots of people, and um, a really good ideology in the first instance. Like they wanted to uh, kind of act on their religious beliefs rather than go to a church. And so it was supposed to be like, a rebellion in a way, you know, a place where people would actually give back and do something pretty incredible. Um, but as you can imagine, uh, over time, and especially after a, gen- a new generation kind of comes into the picture, suddenly they need a bit more organization, a bit more government standards, a bit more rules, and we're removed kind of from the leader. So we're never seeing the leader in our own communes or homes, right? But every morning for an hour or two hours, the first thing we do once we've woken up is we have what we call devotions. So we've got to sit and read internal literature for an hour or two. And so there's this bubble of like not um, watching the news. We didn't go to school. We didn't, you know, we didn't, they didn't want us to be influenced by the outside world. And so essentially we were raised to be like an elite generation, right? That was meant to save the world. Um, no pressure, right? sort of extremist in a way of like well this is how your life's going to be and this is what you're you're set out to do and but then even how you need to think and if you don't feel um the way that we want you to feel I learned pretty early on to shut that shit down we allowed to swear on your podcast (laughs) that's right be yourself man yesterday I came back from the event just being your authentic self and however you feel 
is the best way for you to speak and your passion comes out speak it's okay yeah <laughs> um so i guess i was i was quite a shy kid because i learned pretty early on to keep my mouth shut only have my voice heard if it like just enough so that they wouldn't be able to highlight that i was hiding you know mm-hmm. so you'd have i'd learned to play this game that was just middle of the road and so i never got some of the severe punishments and things that other people did but i certainly ended up witnessing quite a few so people very close to me like some of my closest friends got publicly sort of shamed and humiliated and punished and kind of paddles on their bare butt and wearing signs saying I, i'm not allowed to speak for like a week or a month or you know things like that and i just remember the the after effect being because i didn't speak i didn't have a voice so i did i didn't do anything and i carried all this guilt about not having kind of i don't know there's this movie image right that I should have run in front of the paddle or I should have been like, I'll take your punishment instead of you, you know? Yeah. And it would go around and around in my head, like, why didn't I stand up for some of the people closest to me? When, of course, the reality was that if you stood up, you would just be punished alongside people and it would just, it wouldn't make a difference. Like, it wouldn't make a dent other than to your pride, maybe, you know? Um, and, I care, and I guess I swore to myself that I would never not have a voice again, you mm-hmm. know? And that, in a way, you know how our past can sometimes fuel the things that we do, right? So it kind of fueled, like I started off my career working with uh, young people, so young offenders, kids who've been kicked out of school, the the marginalized kids who I guess didn't have a voice. And I I was so like driven by this, I will be a voice for other people and I will be a voice for myself. And, you know, to the point that sometimes if you're other people's voice, you, you rob them of the chance to, to develop their own voice, yeah. to empower them to kind of have a voice. Um, I'm throwing so much information at you already. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. I think yeah. it's so valuable. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I guess the, the, the short version, right, is we traveled to lots of uh, places. And when I was 14, the founder of the of the cult uh, died and handed over, you know, the 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 mantle as they called it, so to the next person that was going to be in charge, which was to his wife. Um, and I remember at that point, so living with 80, 100 people, lots of organization, lots of everyone had roles. You know, someone would be in the kitchen, people would be looking after the kids, all this sort of thing. And suddenly they said, God said go and um, live life in the way that you want to, still follow these rules. So this book came out that was full of the, the rules of how we should live, which was totally opposite to the whole ethos that we were raised on, mm. which is um, a rebellion and somebody that was, you know, like a group or a movement that was, um, you know, uh, grassroots and was changing the world and that sort of thing. And suddenly we were becoming this organized structure. And yeah. so, but when you're in this really controlled environment, and you're suddenly like, I remember for the first time, we just lived with my family. So with my four siblings and my parents, and in the next sort of town over was another family that was from the same background. They had 10 kids and they lived there. And I remember this immense freedom, but also no freedom at all, because our brains had been so conditioned to live and believe in a certain way because when I do talks, sometimes people go, the Q&A, the question, first question always is, how did you escape? Did you escape? <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh my God, all right, let's go, let's wind back, people. <laughs> um, because the assumption is kind of like Tim Robbins in, in Shawshank Redemption, right? Yeah. And 
and they're scheming and then you go through the tunnel, right? And then I, I just imagine that end scene of the movie, right? Well, the almost end where he's like, arms are out and the big raindrops on his face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm free. Yeah. <laughs> and people kind of anticipate that's the end of my talk. And, and what I say is that's the beginning of my story, you know? That's yeah. the beginning of my story because once you get out of the context, actually you realize how many of the walls are in the way you think, uh, in the way that you behave unconsciously, you don't even realize you're doing it, um, and in your choices. Your choices are these walled choices. Essentially, you're free, you know? Yeah. Um, so my, my catalyst point, I guess, was I lived a double life for a while, so I actually became quite trusted within, within the community, uh, cause, you know, because I got that smile, I can wing it, and I can say the right thing, right? I'm pretty yeah. scared of that. <laughs> Um, and so I got pretty trusted, but then on the flip side, one of my sisters had, had left the, the cult already. And I'd be like, Oh, I'm visiting my sister. or I'm going to do, do this, like whatever stuff I would make up. Um, and I would just party and I would get wasted and I would just lose my mind on alcohol and sex promiscuity, just like, you know, again, having had no boundaries or rules and suddenly I'm out in the world and for me, anyone who's ever had an addiction of some kind, like a substance addiction, the first time you, you feel the freedom of what an addiction gives you, so, so whether it's a drug or for me it was alcohol, I remember the first time I had a drink properly, and this is going to sound like a magical place, don't do it people, but for some of us, it's like you finally can be yourself, I know that sounds crazy, but you can, it's like your, your soul just like sits into your body and goes, this is what life is supposed to be like, you know? Yeah. Oh, like this is, must be what normal people feel like, right? I was confident. Um, I was cool. I could make conversation. I could dance. I could buy rounds. I could do whatever, you know? Um, and so I wanted to chase that feeling of being whole, you know, and of course it's, it, it doesn't last very long and you end up chasing that wholeness and, and more and more of it becomes damaging and less and less of that um, experience. Um, so I led this double life for a while until the crack started to show, right? So I'm really trusted over here. And then I meet my now ex-husband who uh, we have a long distance relationship. I'm in Amsterdam, he's in London. The foundation of our relationship is partying which kids don't do that. It's not wise for setting up a whole, life, a whole life on, right? And then I fall pregnant like three months in and I'm like, oh, crap, shit, what do I do? And he, bless him, said, well, why don't you come to London, like move in with me, let's just figure this out. But, you know, bless him. And in a way, unconsciously, I was looking for a way out and I was just thinking, what's my purpose? Who am I meant to be? So I move in with him and I cut ties with with the cult. So that was like my weird um, escape, which wasn't an escape. It was like a falling out. And I, and I judged myself a lot for not being brave enough to make the decision without sort of being forced to by myself really, but by the situation. Mm -hmm. So I just fell into this next situation, right? Italian Catholic family, which was smart, right? Um, and so, <laughs> you know how we repeat patterns? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm pregnant. My boyfriend um, goes to work. I'm now in this flat, eventually with the baby, my son, who's now 15, right? So that's how long ago it was. Um, and I'm just in these bare walls, right? 
And like, I'm like, what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> oh, and I'm so lonely. Like I've never, exp- imagine being with people, mm. people with big families might recognize this or in communities where there's lots of people. Um, I've never been so lonely in my life, but I couldn't have, I didn't have the words to verbalize what I was feeling or that it was, I don't know, there's a lot of shame in feeling loneliness. So what I did was I internalized it to um, God was punishing me. I was a bad person. Mm. Uh, You know, they warned us about this, that if we left, everything would go to shit and we would be punished. Like it would always be your fault if something was wrong. And so I'm internalizing this, right? That um, I've caused myself this. So the self kind of hatred and and self-loathing started to, to grow. And I wasn't quite sure what to do with it. So I thought, let me just drink more to numb out, right? Let me just numb this shit out. Uh, I end up having my, my daughter as well. So eventually I have a toddler and a baby uh, still feeling really, but what I'm trying to do is still lead a double life. Like these are the only tools I have, right? Is to pretend to be normal. And I say that just going, well, my ex-husband's family must be normal because they did, they had, they went to school and they had guidance or whatever. Right. And so, um, I mirrored myself off of Italian Catholic mamas who are supposed to love like cooking and shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm there like slowly, um, you know, getting so claustrophobic by the pressure of this role that I despise, you know? Um, and then again, on the flip side, I'm um, using substances. I'm putting myself in dangerous situations. Um, all sorts of things are going on. And of course the cracks are beginning to show in my relationship as well. Um, until the point that um, I remember having my son who must have been three in the car seat in the back, um, two and a half, three. Uh, and I drove sober, totally fine to Ikea because that's what normal people do, right? I guess. Um, <laughs> and I start shopping and then I go to the restaurant and I just get one of those little bottles of wine, right? Uh, and I just go, it's fine. And by the time I drive, it'll be cool, chill though. It's, they're only little. Um, and I have another one. Cause I'm like, cause that's what you do. Like, you know, I'm just starting. And I sort of mindlessly start drinking while I'm shopping and circling back while he's in the, the kind of pushing thing. Um, and I keep circling back to the point that I get out to my car, car in the car park. I strap him into his car seat and I call a friend and I say, I've, I've been drinking a lot and I'm about to get into the, the, you know, I'm about to drive home. I'm about to get behind the wheel and, my, and I've got my son with me and I'm crying, you know, cause I'm like, Oh, this can't, you know, and my friend is going, which Ikea are you at? <laughs> right. <laughs> Where are you? She's like, don't go anywhere. I'm coming. And I'm crying going, I can't wait here. Like I have to go. Like I can't wait for you. I have to drive. And so I get behind the wheel and I hang up the phone and I'm crying and I drive in blackout. I can't remember most of the drive until thankfully it was a small London road. And um, I come to from my blackout having had a, a minor head on collision with another vehicle. And so it sort of jolts me, right? And I, I remember this is a patchy memory, but, but sort of talking to the other driver, I remember him being quite pleasant and saying that he had a company car and it was no problem and we just trade insurance and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I remember that everyone let me drive home from there. 
with a damaged car and a baby in the back. Wow. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't remember fully the, the, the drive home either, right? And, I, and this is one of those marker points. You know, the sliding doors things. I've yeah. had so many of them where I think the whole, like, the whole trajectory of my life and my son's could have been very different that day. But even then, I was so angry and bitter and blamed everyone else for the state that I was in. I took zero personal responsibility. And I did this magical thing that a lot of us do, which is we go to our friends, we hang out at our parties, whatever it might be, and we tell a sob story, right? And we go, oh, this happened and this happened and this happened. And we tell it in such a way that the friend has no other choice, if they're that kind of friend, right? To go, God, that's terrible. That must be so hard. Poor you, right? And we can tell this magical story to just reinforce um, that we're right. So I'm like, I tell the story, everyone nods and looks pitying and says, poor you. And then I go, yeah, God, poor me. And you, and you can get into, I mean, I don't know. Are you familiar with that? Like just getting into that cycle? Yeah, I can, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite. Like I have a lot of empathy and I go into like, how can I help this person or how, like, I know I can just feel what they're feeling at at the moment. And I just try and put myself in their shoes and, be like this is what I would have done or this is what I think you should do basically I just I'm, I come from a place of service so I just want to see how I can help that person rather than just being like oh poor you oh it must be so bad oh so, no, I don't actually know how you're feeling right now and I'm just like that's just bull that's just bs like you but can't the just reason you can do that is because you've done so much personal development exactly you know what person what personal responsibility is for you yeah. yeah but not everyone's like that right yeah, for sure. It takes a yeah. lot. It takes a lot for a person to get to that state that I'm at now, where I can have a lot of empathy for others, and that comes with like that comes that came with my five and a half years of personal development. So it's like people just think, oh yeah, Sadiq's this positive guy, and he thinks um, that he shares all this wisdom and he's sharing all this content. And how'd you come up with all of this stuff? And I'm like, guys, I am not a genius. I was just an average C student. And like, and I make them understand that I had, I, I read books when I hated reading books. I went and did the work and I basically, I learned what I needed to learn to shift my mindset so I can start being this positive person and, and then giving back into the world to help others be more positive because I didn't want to be that selfish guy that just did all the personal development and became a personal development junkie. I wanted to give back and was like, I need to share this. I need to share my story. I need to share with everyone what personal development is and get them plugged into it. Whether it's through me or through others, I don't care. Just get into it because it changed my life. And so many people are going through so much challenges, challenging times and just tough crap in their life that they need to start knowing who they are if they want their life to change. Because I believe we have to change ourselves first internally before anything externally in our life changes 100 percent. and so when i would have been in full-on victim mode you would have been an, a very annoying person to me because <laughs> <You know? laughs> i'd be like poor me poor me and you wouldn't be following the rules you'd be like how can you take personal responsibility or how can you get yourself out of this and i'd yeah. be like oh you don't understand this isn't yeah. my fault this is everyone else's fault, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, now I love you and, you know, we can hang out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I now I'm that guy as well. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You, you, yeah. You've gone through that growth as well and experience, which I haven't gone through. So you're like on another level. 
yeah, <laughs> I've got about a decade on you or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, so it all came to a head and I was like, I was suicidal. I'd, I thought I had depression. I got antidepressants, but I couldn't drink if I took the antidepressants. So I'd, I'd not take them and I preferred to drink. And, you know, there were many other situations of putting myself and my kids even in danger until the point that I sort of, uh, I tell this story uh, when I do my talks because I, I woke up one day and it feels quite like it was a day and it was quite perfect, but it was more messy than that in reality. But I came to this conclusion or this plan that I would postpone ending my life for one year. And so I was like, what's the worst that could happen, right? I could die now, today, let's just do it because I can't live like this anymore. Or I can go in one year exactly, I will end my life if nothing changes. But in that one year, I'm going to, and it wasn't such a concrete thought, but it was like it formed over a little bit of time that I would, the, those people, those annoying people that seem to be so happy and have things figured out. I was like, all right, what, how can I observe them? How can I learn? You were saying you, you hated reading the books, but you did it anyway. How can I watch them? How can I be curious, ask them questions? And remember, I didn't go to school as a kid. So I'm also 23, 25 now, and I've got kids and I'm still, I'm trying to get an education, right? So I'm trying to, to learn, and, and that's part of what I was so angry about, because I thought everyone else had a head start, everyone else knew what they were doing, like how the hell am I going to achieve anything, all this sort of stuff. And so I had this one year, and so I, I was studying, I started working full-time, and I just started observing and experimenting with mindset stuff, well-being stuff, sleep, exercise, um, I started going to Alcoholics Anonymous for a little while. I don't go anymore, but I needed it as the catalyst in the community. And the biggest thing that community gave me was the ability to be brutally honest with myself in front of other people, hmm. with witnesses, you know? And yep. they were removed from my immediate family and my immediate circles. So, and they were just as fucked up as I was, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we can all just... We can all relate and, yeah, speak to each other, just open up, be honest just get real and stop the double life. Yeah. I say stop the double life like it happened suddenly, it didn't. It was this slow like aligning of realizing that if I wanted to stay sane, if I wanted to build the things I wanted to build and achieve the things I wanted to achieve, then I would have to give up drinking and start aligning and being authentic in, in different areas. Um, yeah, so I got. Uh, I ended up doing. Um, I, I never did a degree, but I did a master's degree, uh, and that was that was kind of funny because every, this is where me being a little bit naive helped, right? Because I was thinking, why would I do three years plus two years, whatever it is, mm. if I could just do the master's degree? Masters, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'd done a advanced diploma in counseling. So so with some kind of qualifications, if you've done something before and you've had some experience. Um, I think I think my background gave me um, a beautiful skill of winging it, right? So much, <laughs> so much winging it. <laughs> so much in business now, right? Intuition is a beautiful thing. <laughs> Intuition, empathy, high, being being able to observe, be hyper alert, yeah, um, and and just just taking action before you've overthought it, overthought yourself out of it. You know, yeah. yeah. I'm just like, do the thing. Let me figure it out, right? But I do remember um, telling my ex-husband that I was going to apply to do a master's degree. And he was like, God, well, like, when will it end? Because at this point, I was some kind of <laughs> machine, right? And then yeah. this, like, poor guy. Um, 
And and he and I was talking about it and, and he went, you do realize you'll actually have to do the thing when you if you get on, right? I'm like, yeah, but there's no way I'm getting on. So it's fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> so you applied for it thinking you're not going to get it, but you got it. There's no fucking way. I just thought there's no fucking way. <laughs> but I thought, what have I got to lose? Oh my gosh. And all the, all the energy that I used to use on self-hatred and drinking and obsessions and all of that, I now had this like boundless energy that could be channeled into other stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and so I remember getting the letter inviting me to an interview and I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to pass the interview, right? Um, and then I, get, I was really nervous and I go to this, this interview and, and, you know, and I had no idea how I was going to pay for it either. So I literally had no plan. I was just like, oh, I wonder what an interview is like and if there's any way that I could skip, you know. And then they offered me the place and then I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one of the top kind of skills that I didn't really know I was doing because I did, wasn't a coach back then, but I visualized the end scene so many thousands of times, which was wearing that cap and gown yeah. And it was walking down state, like the things I'd seen in the movies, right? Yeah, yeah. I, just, yeah, I was on a loop. Because I used to wake up at 3 a.m. so that I could study before my kids got up. Because then I'd have to go to work. Because then I'd have to come home and sort my kids out. And then I'd probably, all I could do was read a little bit and that would be it. Um, and I just would picture myself in detail, how I would feel, who would be in the audience, what shoes I would be wearing, like the full picture on repeat so that and they do say you know by the time you're doing it it's just like natural it's just like where you were always meant to be yeah um and and i think i used that resilience and those skills to keep pushing myself and of course that that year deadline sort of came and went right um and life was definitely not perfect in a year but i figured out i had hope first of all and i realized that happiness fulfillment all of these things were actually skills that you could develop. It wasn't just like you're the happy person and you're not. It was like we have the power within us to do the work, as we were talking about before, to literally create the life that we want. Um, yeah, I could go further. Do you want me to go further? <laughs> go for it. Go for it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just learning a lot because I obviously I remember first when we had the chat and like your story just yeah. a lot of people that are listening. I hope they are getting a lot of value. I'm sure they are because it's not every day you get to hear stories like yourself, like where you've been, where you've come from. And then I'm sure you're going to share like where you, what you're doing up, what you're up to right now and like how life has changed so much and how much um, like abundance and how many opportunities are coming into your life now. So it's just, I, I just believe in stories and I believe people connect with people. So, um, so yeah, like just, just, uh, I'm, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Um, so I then got to a place of, of, a little bit past survival. Like I've had, I started working with young offenders. Like I said, I had a bit of a uh, a career that I started in the charity sector. And then the next, I mean, there's so many marker points, but the next one that kind of brings me into where I am now was when I trained as a coach. When I trained as a coach, you have to do these practice sessions and essentially you're being coached the whole time, right? Um, And the person that was practicing coaching with me just asked me this simple question. They said, what do you want? And I was like, like, what do you mean? What do I want? You know, I was, I was like, do you mean, what do I need to do next? Or what should I do next? Like it didn't compute. Like I literally never been asked the question and then waited, had someone wait for the answer mm. and guy and stopped me when I was going, well, I need to do this or I need, you know, cause that's just conditioning. 
yeah. what do I need to do? What should I do? And so I was like, what do I want? What do I want? And then they said, if fear didn't exist, what would you want? If money wasn't an option, wasn't an issue, what would you want? And if guilt didn't exist, oh, I have kids, man. Do you remember the car scene? I have a lot of guilt about my part in, in sort of damaging them and, and just being a, you know, a terrible parent for there for a little while. And I just start weeping because I'm like, what if it's possible to actually work for what you want? Like it, it had never occurred to me that I was enough to actually build the life that I wanted, not just the one that my kids thought was important, that my husband thought was important and my siblings and like, I'd still been living this life based on my conditioning to look after everyone else first, make sure they had what they needed and not even ask myself that question. So I cried and I said that I wanted to divorce my husband and I wanted independence. And if money and fear wasn't an issue, I would live on my own and I wouldn't, and I, and I would go through the scariness of, my kids being in a divorced household and like, would I be a bad person and all this fear of, of, of judgment and how would I survive? Am I even capable of surviving? Because my, uh, my husband had always um, earned more money than me, but I'm weeping going. And, and it's so crazy. Like once, you know, you know, like for me, once I know I have to like, that's going to pop up everywhere and I have yeah. to move in a certain direction. Right. Yeah but it still takes time. It's like a seed that's planted and then it starts to grow and be like, Oh, what if what I want is possible? And you start like putting it out there and, and, and figuring it out. And it took a little while from that point to the time that everything actually fell in place. Um, but I began to, I guess, visualize and write down what the, that next image was. Cause sometimes we get to the one that we were, we were, we were going to right? the original like master's degree one. And then we're like, dude, I've made it. Cool. I can sit back and enjoy the journey. Now, unfortunately, life is a little bit tricky, right? <laughs> sometimes if you're not actually developing yourself and pushing forward, you're, you, you are going backwards. Like, I'm mm. not sure there's much of a static ground without a bit of effort to, to keep going. Um, and so this became my new challenge. I would imagine my apartment. I would imagine the amount of money I would earn. I would imagine, and I would um, put out into the universe that I still had an excellent relationship with my ex-husband. I would imagine that he'd met someone that would be better suited to him and that my kids would be okay. Like the, the, the dreaming is a wonderful thing, you know, mm -hmm. dreaming plus action. But yeah. sometimes you have to dream for six months to a year first mm -hmm. for it to like be big enough or be real enough for you to then take the action. So there's like no judgment on, on that sort of pace. Um, so I then get divorced and we lived together for six months while I've essentially broken his heart, right? So he's not very happy, yes. So then for six months, I now look back and see it as like intense training ground to see if I could keep my mindset focused even under these circumstances. And I would wake up at 6 a.m. before anyone else and I would write down two questions uh, one was, what do I need to do? But one was, who do I want to be? And so if he was angry and hurt and, you know, acting out, my three things of who I wanted to be were usually something around kindness, you know, having integrity, basically taking responsibility for my reactions and who I am. And that got me through that entire six months of just going, 
yes, I'm sorry that your feelings are hurt and I'm still going to do the thing that I need to do, right? So then I serendipitously get a job that's down the road from me that allows me to get a mortgage. I didn't know any of this when I actually, you know, um, requested the divorce and, and all of that. Um, so I worked there for a year and this is the other thing in my jobs. I would usually work there three years, learn everything I could and then be bored. Yeah. And it used to be three years. Then it was two. learn everything I could and then be like, Oh, now they want me to like stabilize. Right. And I get bored. Uh, and this last job, it was one year and I learned everything I could and I wasn't bored, but I was, I didn't feel like we shared values and I knew that I was in the job because I had a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I now am the sole earner. I have a mortgage. My kids live with me 50% of the time. We've managed some of the situation and I decided it's an excellent time to quit my job and go into business myself. Right. Yeah. Um, insane. Kind of <laughs> all the reasons are pointing for why. And, and what was interesting was I'd met a guy who we decided to be business partners. Um, and he was like an older man who just seemed really wise. He built and sold businesses before. He just like seemed to have all the skills that I didn't have. Right. And I'm just like, I'm enthusiastic. Can I just get shit done? And I don't fucking know. Right. Um, and so we decided to, to partner and that gives me the confidence to get hand in my notice. So I, I go to my boss and I say, I had three months notice. I give him my notice. Um, within eight weeks, me and the business partner fall out. Um, it's just not a good fit. I'm playing small. I, he's patronizing. I think he, you know, we're both kind of triggering each other in some kind of weird loop. Um, but I've given him my notice now. And yeah. now I'm like, I don't know anything about business. <laughs> what the hell am I doing? <laughs> um, but I generally don't go back and beg. Because <laughs> I, think, I think if you've made a decision, stick with it. Like deal with the consequences, you know? Like manage it, you know, yeah. things can shift. And I'm not, I'm not saying we should never apologize or go back and, you know, we make mistakes, but I just mean when we're finding the passion within our soul, that flame, right? There's this intuition, like I know, and I didn't even know what I wanted as far as the business was concerned, but I knew what didn't feel right. And yeah. working where I was didn't feel right. So sometimes you don't know fully what you want, but you know what you don't want you know, it's not working. And I think that was part of my, my driving force. And also when you stare death in the face and you reach rock bottoms, if you fail a business, who cares? Go get a job. Like you can survive, you know, it's just less of a big deal. Yeah. Um, and then, so my road from there until now, which is the last two years has been um, putting the podcast out which, uh, let's be clear, I had a meltdown the day I was put out my first episode. I'm sure you did better than that, Sadiq. I was like, literally <laughs> lying in my kitchen going, oh, nobody's going to like me. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it, and at least out there. And I'm sure you feel so much, so much better about yourself that you just, your, your story and your journey and your words are out there for even one person in the world listens to it and it inspires them. I, I truly believe that's still more powerful than anything else because you've just, you can just, you've helped that one person and shifted their pers- perspective. So that's, that's an amazing thing. It's been exciting. As you know, it's a lot of work in the, in the back end, yeah, right? For sure. But I, I, I was just excited because mm. I do interviews to hear people's stories, learn from them, create this community with no idea 
of where it was going to go. And we're at our hundredth episode next week, which is very exciting for me. That is amazing. I know, right? That is <laughs> so had, cool. Time just flies. <laughs> time does fly, but I've had quite a few friends who've like, I'm starting a podcast where they did it like at a similar time to me. And then like, I don't know, three months in, they're like, oh man, I can't do the back end. I just can't, right? Yeah. And honestly, like, and that's one thing I'll even just like honor you for as well. Like the fact that you have your podcast and you're so consistent with it. Every week you're getting your pod- your episodes out. Like I know personally now how much you how much you like uh, editing or um, just behind the scenes you go through because like a lot of people just think that a podcast is just having a conversation with someone and then just uploading it and everyone can listen to it bloody it's not it's (laughs) not this is the easiest part is me and you having a conversation and we're just sharing our our thoughts our our journey our experience it's the easiest part of the podcast is talking to the guest or talking to yourself about something Yeah. The hardest part is behind the scenes, is the editing, it's the subtitles, it's the video, it's the uploading it onto the platforms. It's, it's not easy, but at the same time, the reason I believe why we decided to do the podcast in the first place and we stay so consistent is because we have so much like love and we have so much passion for what we do that we don't care. We would go through all of that hustle and all of that hard work behind the scenes just for you guys to see and listen to inspiring people like Petra and listen to that story and be inspired by it in the hopes that you actually go and take action from what they share. That's the main thing. And I believe that's the reason why I created a podcast is to, as I say in the podcast, I used to create the future of servant leadership. So I like to bring on guests that I know are doing amazing work. They're following their passion and they're super ambitious but at the same time, I know they're like a true servant leader. I know that they're, they're genuinely helping others along their path and their journey, which is, which is super cool. Like, I'm, I'm super, yeah. super happy for you, right? 100th episode, that's, that's amazing. I'm only on like 11. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm loving every single week. Honestly, I'm loving every single week. You have to love it. You have to love it. And that's just a good metaphor for business as well. It's like people see the shiny interview or they're like, oh, this is so exciting and all the good stuff, right? And underneath is that backhand. And in a similar way, even now, even though I feel privileged that I've built some momentum in my business and things are going quite well, people see the Instagram of, you know, a post of me on stage or the LinkedIn video of me doing something really smart or wise or, you know, um, and they don't necessarily understand the back end, not only of the work, like the hustle that you just have to be consistent and you know, I remember just like almost weeping from exhaustion and still going tomorrow. I've got this new thing and I've got, I just had a thought just while you just said that, just really quickly. I had a thought you need to find, you need to find a D-Rock. I mean, I do. Yes. Honestly, I swear, Petra, I'm not, this is so random. I just come to me right now. You need to find a D-Rock, someone that's going to follow you around and actually capture those moments where you're having your breakdowns. And be like, guys, this is actually what it takes to run a business. To This is actually what it takes for me to live my life. And you guys only see the highlights and the beautiful podcast episode. Yeah. And you see the nice yeah. videos of me on stage, but you never see me break down and cry or go through the struggle. Is that what you want to see? <laughs> that would be so... I think that video, if you, if you capture a video of you like at the lowest, like you just, you, you're the hard day and you're just like crying or you're just like weeping or something. I yeah. think that video will go viral, Petra. because people love authenticity man i'm telling you they love to see people's real and like man like she's going for a lot 
they'll yeah. share that they'll share that with everyone like, oh look this is what it really t-. and then obviously you'll make it in such a way where people will be like this is actually what it takes to become an entrepreneur or business person or, or work for yourself yeah because i remember like six months in the loneliness triggered up that memory of the loneliness when i was a young mom alone in my house like all the stuff that you don't work through in the past comes up when you're being when you're challenging yourself like yeah. this right yeah and so relentlessly networking, connecting, doing things that your heart is telling you to do, doing all the backhand work, not showing what, knowing what's going to work and what isn't. But I guess people don't see the emotional roller coaster is what I mean. Because there's yeah. the tasks that you can do and the advice that you can get. But even then, oh, sometimes we have to turn the volume down on advice, you know? Yeah. Um, and even my advice, even your advice, if somebody has something from their heart place, their, their intuition, something that's just them, our advice might not be right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you've yeah. got to learn to, to listen to the advice, but turn inwards and think actually what's important for me. Um, so yeah, business is tough, but exciting. It sure is. But you, you've gone through like a lot through your journey so far. Just, I'm sure everyone heard the rest of your story. Like you've gone through like a lot, a hell of a lot of like down. Yeah. And you actually started from like the lowest point up to where you are right now, which is just, it's crazy just to, firstly, it's just crazy that, uh, I, like, we met, and, like, I got to, yeah. I, the way we met was so crazy, and then, like, the you're, you're hearing your, your story, and, like, just being like, what the hell, man, like, there's people, out, and that's why I always share this one concept of, like, if, if we were to take all the people in the world, and take all their challenges, and fears, and obstacles, and hardships, and you put it into a massive bowl, and then I was to pick one challenge, or obstacle or hardship from that bowl and open up and read it i will most likely be like damn this person's going through way worse of a scenario than me i'll put it back in the bowl and be like can i just have my own challenge back like my own challenge better than that person's challenge you know and it could be something like they don't have arms and legs and they're just like struggling to get to work it could be something so serious but we taste we just take we just take life for granted really Yes, we don't know why agree. gratitude, right? Uh, exactly. That even if we're struggling because we've got like a deal spawned through or something, like who the exactly. hell cares in the in the grand scheme of things? Um, but also, n- now it can even sound like yes, we're talking about the emotional roller coaster. But I've also said I've I've built momentum, so it can feel like. But now I know what I'm doing, hmm. and everything's cool, right? But as you know, because we had chatted, right? That so every once in a while. When you're getting to the next level of whatever, whatever that might be, personal development, like for me, I'm writing a book at the moment. It's a self-help book, but it's got some of my story and it's got me looking back into cult literature, like stuff from the past. And it brings stuff up and it starts, you know, affecting um, my emotional state or I'm dating somebody new. And the idea of like intimacy, trust, loyalty, betrayal, like all these things are wrapped into that bit of learning, you know? And so... I'm trying to get be my own D rock a little bit, and at least be like within within ten minutes total meltdown when I'm still a bit like snotty and stuff <laughs> to like get on camera and be like, guys, no, it isn't always perfect. This shit's hard. Um, but I think those that's when everyone relates to it. Like when you just make yeah. that real video. Like I I don't even make my fancy videos anymore with the with the phone over there and stuff like that. I just I just prefer to just go after on, on Sunday after I made my workout video and just make a video then. That's when I have the most thoughts, the most amazing things come to my head. I'm more creative. Yeah. I just take my phone out and boom, share a message. Something comes out. People love it. 
because just so real, yeah. so authentic. I don't have a script or anything as I've never had in any of my videos. And I just, the key is just to be yourself. And it's hard. It's not, it's so easy for me to say, I get it, but you got to fight, you got to look deep down, right? And just be like, like I did and ask yourself that question. Why do I really care about other people's opinions? Why do I care about other people judging me? I don't, really, I don't. Because they don't, they don't, everything in my life. They might be a friend, a cousin, a family member, but end of the day, we're, we're living our own life. We're on our own path, our own journey. We can't live life pretending to be someone that we're not. We only have one life, so we might as well just be the, be the best version that we can be. And, and yeah. Be another day. And I mean, some, some of the guys, I don't know if it's um, Gary Vee, but I certainly do the morbid, like when I'm on my deathbed, what do I want to look back on? You know, how yeah. do I, do I want to be like, oh, I got this nice house and I played it really safe and I watched Netflix in the nice living room that I owned like every night of the week, right? Yeah. Or do I want to be like, I lived to my fullest potential and I fucked up and I loved amazingly and I lost amazingly and I gave and I cried and, you know, like, do I want to look back at the color, the tapestry of life, or do I want to go uh, by other people's rules of what happiness is? Like, mm -hmm. what's going to make me just take my last breath and be like, fuck yeah. Be like, you know, mm -hmm. that was life well lived. And, cool. and, and that makes all the bumps in the road, like, have cool meaning because it's just like, ah, oh, I must be ready for this challenge. And what I'm telling myself now is my book's going to be awesome <laughs> because the universe is throwing That's so much it. shit at me now that, it, that, you know, I better finish it. Whereas some people would take it to mean, well, maybe I'm off the, on the wrong path. Maybe I shouldn't write it. Maybe I shouldn't do the thing. And for me, it fuels it. It's mm. like, damn, like the universe thinks this is important. So I have to pers like be persistent and show up and finish. Yeah. And, and it makes it all worthwhile, isn't it? After you've yeah. done it and you finished it and it's going to be out there, it just make, it just like a sense of fulfillment. Like it just makes it all worthwhile whenever we do something for, for the service of others. Because you're not writing that book just to write the book, right? It's not just, it's not just for you to just hide in a, in a box and be like, this, that's my life. I'm going to read it when I'm 85. You're actually writing that book because you want some random person in the world across a random country that you don't even ever heard of to read that book and be like, whoa, she came from this same similar situation as me and she, she made it in life and she did this, man, that yeah. means it gives them hope in their heart that I can actually probably have a life like this if I just learn from her experience of, of, and her journey yeah. of life. And even the that podcast, like the most fulfilling things have been a Facebook message or an Instagram DM saying yeah. I was, I've been suicidal or where do I go for help? Or this is what I'm in now, you know? And I'm yeah. like, damn, like, first of all, I go, damn, people are listening. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I get some of those too, you know? Like, I, I've had people who contact me for, like, suicidal stuff. I'm like, damn, like, I don't know what to do. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not a professional. I'm just, a, I'm just, like, pumping positivity, but these are my tips. Like, do this and please don't do this. I beg you yeah. don't. Yeah, um, but that's fine. But empathy is, is all, it, all it takes. But that's where it's a real privilege to, to be of service yeah. and to have turned you know, some of the, some of the crap, I guess, that I've been through that, that I really thought was going to be the thing that held me back yeah. and literally turn it into what I consider my superpower, you know, is, is wow. being able to connect, is having empathy. Like, and so the, like, no matter how bad it is, we can turn it into our superpower. Like we have control of that. And that's just makes, 
you know, me feel a little bit invincible, even though I cry at night sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> I, want to, I want to see one of those crying videos, man. That, that, that video is going to go viral. I'll share it with everyone. Like, guys, this is my friend and this is what it takes for you to be successful in life. It's not always happy and uh, beautiful every single day. And it's not always... I put, one, I put one out on LinkedIn a while ago. This is much be six months ago. And I, and I was literally in tears and I went, um, I woke up this morning and I went on LinkedIn because I had to find a job. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> while I was filming it, I talked myself through it and I went, it's so lonely and it's so hard. And, oh, but I can't do this and I can't. And I sort of taught myself through it. And that was my LinkedIn post that people were like, oh my God, yes, I get it. That's what it was like for me. Stuff and like see, that. like, it just, it just connects because people are so scared to show that part of their, of their life, isn't it? It's like, I, would, I used to always tell people, like, I don't share the negative stuff that happen, that goes through in my life because I want my content on my page to be about positivity for people to come to me to be inspired and get pumped up or find that motivation. I don't want them to come to me and be like, oh, he's sharing his negative crap day. Like, I don't want to hear about his negative day. I, I came to his page to get pumped up and have positivity. That's why I usually don't share negativity. But it's so surprising that I just said that because the last two days I haven't been feeling so well and I just made some stories on it. My messages I got from people like I've, I felt like oh my gosh like people actually care about me so much more than myself I'm like bloody hell like it, it just makes everything I do worthwhile because just by me telling everyone that I'm not feeling too well um, and I'm just gonna rest today guys and stuff like that like I, I got a really bad headache I had a speaking gig I went and did the speaking gig with that headache with like snot coming down and I was like damn like it's the first time in my life I got so sick before a speaking gig and like I, I, sh- I was like I'm not gonna cancel like these these young adults are waiting for me and I want to help them I want to inspire them went there gave it my 100% came back told everyone like man I'm just like I'm so tired and like dead but it was such an amazing event I loved it they, they all got so inspired they want me back there that's how like how much they enjoyed it and I was just like I'm so grateful but I'm going to sleep now guys <laughs> but I love that. But I love that because first of all, that's why I respect you because you keep showing up. Like yeah. no matter what, keep showing up. And talk about the times when it's it's hard or like it it becomes relatable. But I think what me and you both do, it isn't just going life shit like some people's content. We make it into a Yeah. Yeah. This was really hard and it's teaching me this. Or exactly. I think I'm learning this and I'm in it, but are you in it? Like maybe we can flip this around like we do other mindset stuff. Like True. So it still takes people on a journey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Petra, man, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me, your, your story, all your, all your nuggets of wisdom and everything. I'm so grateful that we are connected. I'm so happy that everybody listening right now, probably like crying right now or blown away or probably like, man, I can relate to this person so much. Um, but at the end of my podcast, I don't know if you know, like I have something called the final four. So I asked my guests like four random questions that you just have to answer at the top of your head. Let's okay. go straight into the first one. The first one I've got for you is that because you come from the mental health background, what is your, like your own personal definition of mental health for, for someone listening right now? Um, well, it's sort of a little bit stolen from the World Health Organization, but um, uh, mental health is our ability to cope with the daily struggles of life. So in a nutshell, it's health. So just like physical health, our mental health is our ability to cope with the daily struggles of life. It isn't just about mental illness. That's really like an important concept for people to understand. So we all have mental health, just like we have physical health. We've got to look after it. Uh, it's turning into a long definition. But yeah, our ability to cope. Bang, I love it. Love it. It's short and sweet. That's, that's, that's actually, I've never heard that definition, to be honest. 
that's actually the best way to just keep it short and sweet, I think. Because people go into mental illness after they hear mental health. They're like, oh, yeah. mental health is like a bad thing. Why are you talking about this? No. Um, but it's become so much open now and I'm, I'm glad everyone's talking about it. And yeah, it's really, really good. Second question I've got is what one, because you love movies. I know you love movies and you love Netflix. So what one movie would you recommend everyone to watch that helped you or is helping you to overcome some kind of like hardship or depression in your life? Maybe when you were at that state or at one point in your life. Maybe well, there's a movie that I wouldn't recommend people look up, to look up, but I'm going to say it. And then I'm going to flip over to something else. Um, there's this old, like, it's from a Christian perspective. It's like a 70s movie called Brother Sun and Sister Moon. And so it's about the Franciscan brothers, right? And so, but, but it's about... Um, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, like rebelling against his parents' materialistic bullshit culture and just trying to simplify his life. And I used to watch it when I was like, I feel like I have purpose, but I don't know what it is. And I'd be like, oh, he knows. He's, he doesn't have any fear. Like it was just like touch thing in me. But any kid watching a 70s movie now would just be like, what the hell is this? But it for me. <laughs> and then I love, I do love the Shawshank Redemption and I prefer oh, to it. Of, yeah, yeah. But the, the, the reason is the patience. So like that main character is like going through prison and he knows that he's not um, guilty and he's there and he's hanging out with Morgan Freeman and he's just learning tips of wisdom and he just builds the library. Like he does what's in your control. He does that shit in prison, right? Yeah. Like I'm going to build a library. I'm going to get books. I'm going to get trusted into like the, the main jailer's, you know, kind of office. And I'm going to be the best version of myself in this shitty ass situation. And then all the while he's got his side hustle, right? Yeah. And eventually, eventually he's on that beach with that boat and it's just beautiful. So I love that one. Yeah. Watch that. Okay. One. <laughs> okay. Cool. Wicked. So everyone, go, go, you got to watch that video, man. Like, that is a really, really good movie. I love that movie. Um, okay. So the third question is, which books from the top of your mind has massively impacted you in your life and why? Um. I've got a bookshelf here. <laughs> <laughs> Straight away, she's looking at a bookshelf like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, there's quite a few. I mean, it's just like all self-help with a few other ones thrown in. Um, there's a book by, there's a, because I used to work with teenagers, right? And it's called Shattered Lives by Camilla. I can never say her last name, but she was um, the founder of Kids Company, which no longer exists. But anyway, um, and it's stories of kids who are behaving in the most horrific ways I'm sure this you guys were looking for inspirational, but it is to me. Um, the most horrific ways, and she explains how love and kindness and understanding that that's their trauma acting out will actually make the biggest difference. I mean, harrowing stories of like an 11-year-old prostitute, um, a kid who's, you know, got drug-addicted parents and just like horrific stuff, like UK-based, right? And just understanding the psychology of why kids act out. And so there's, there's the whole like youth culture and oh, kids are this and kids are that. And it just would touch my heart and give me so much purpose because I'd be like, no, the kid that's spitting in your face, like that's the one who needs you to hug him the most. Yeah. Like it's counterintuitive. So that one always um, drove me. Say the uh, name again. What's the name? Of the it's book? called Shattered Lives. Let me show it to you. It's right here. Sh Shattered, Shattered Life. Shattered Lives. Okay, cool. Shattered Lives. Awesome. Um, obviously, anything by Brené Brown, right? Yeah. She's, this she's one, one, too. It's called Irrelationship. And you know how 
we go into relationships and we keep having the same argument that we had with our last girlfriend or boyfriend. And we just keep going, why is everyone, why am I so unlucky? Why is everyone I date so fucking annoying in the end? (laughs) (laughs) And this book outlines like how we are responsible even for that, for like repeating the patterns and looking for certain things. I mean, that shit was deep as well, as far as personal development and relationships but yeah i've got a whole bookshelf so we should yeah that's, that's why i said which are the top ones that come to your mind because i know most of the guests always have like they always oh why'd you say only one i've got so many books i want to share i was like yeah but podcast episode is <laughs> only a limited time you can share so just share the ones that have really impact impacted your life um the last question i have petra is if you can spend a few hours to learn from someone's wisdom whether they're dead or alive who would that be and why well, I have an aspiration to be white Oprah. So <laughs> I'm sorry, people. I don't know if that's PC. I, I want to hang. I have to hang out for a day with Oprah and just learn. And there's so much we can learn because she has so much content online. But her past was horrific. That's her. Her biography is pretty intense. You know, Mississippi rape, like all sorts of abuse and things happening. Uh, being a different a race that wasn't sort of well versed in, in uh, or not allowed to be on TV in the way that she was. But the main thing is her adversity, her grace, but her persistent um, personal development. So even now she'll be like, oh, and the, like learning about energy and the Dalai Lama and the this, and she'll be applying it to her, her own life. Mm. So it always feels like this intense, authentic kind of experience with her rather than like, I am the teacher of the this, right? Yeah. And then she, she took so many risks and she did her TV channel and she's still relevant, right? She's deep, she's personal, and she, she, she obviously cares. Like, her interview style is so direct. Like, it's, that's why it's aspirational to me. It's so direct and real. Like, she'll ask the question, but you'll just feel so safe and loved is my, it's is how energy. I imagine like Her energy yeah. so cool. Like, she just, it doesn't matter if you're the nicest person or the worst person in the world. Like, she just gets that energy and comes to your level and, like, like you said, you just feel safe around opening up to her or just her question. But also she admits her mistakes. Like she talked about interviewing some white supremacists and that she then at that point realized she never wanted to give a platform to extremists in that way ever again. Yeah. And then there was a follow-up interview where she gets these extremists back on because they three of them or something have totally changed their viewpoint and are so ashamed and feel guilty about the role that they played and and being white supremacist and you know um like that shit's brave you know what i mean yeah so brave of her to actually go and just take the risk really to to do that after doing it once and learning from it she's like nah i need to come fix this yeah yeah but but like she's so open up and she was even open about like her weight loss journey and how yeah. she became like she's sucking her ego a bit and just going i've got to look great and let's do this great episode about my weight loss and how great i look and now she can reflect and go what was i doing like that's you know what's what about love and self-acceptance anyway she has that beautiful reflective self-development thing that keeps her relevant so yeah oprah Can I hang out with her for a day or two? Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome the white Oprah of the future. (laughs) Oh God, you're going to edit that and make it a meme, aren't you? (laughs) I sure am. (laughs) No, I will. You know how Petra, thank you so much for hurting my belly. (laughs) For all the wisdom and for all the thoughts that you just shared with everyone. I'm so grateful um, just to have the time with you to, to spend on this podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out. 
to share your wisdom and, and just for everything you're doing, man. It's, it's so amazing. I'm so grateful. Um, keep up the great work and I can't wait for everyone to go and follow you and check out your stuff. How can everyone follow you? Where, which platform sure. are best? Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. It's been good. Like you said, we just get chatting. Um, so my surname's complicated. My website is petrabelzebor.com. And so if you can figure out that surname, I'm on all the platforms like that as well. So Petrabelzebor, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, but Instagram and LinkedIn are probably my main platform. So yeah, come and find me. And find the podcast, Adversity to Advantage. If you want a little bit more story, then come come find that. Get deep with her on her Adversity to Advantage because her podcast gets deep for some of the guests. So I highly recommend if you want to go deep and you're going through mental health stuff, depression, even personal growth, self-development, all of that kind of stuff, she, she puts out amazing content out there. So make sure you guys check it out. But Petra, thank you so much. I don't want to waste any more of your time. Go and have an amazing day and I can't wait to catch up with you soon. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Take care. If you're still there, I just want to say a massive thank you for your attention and your time. It really means a lot to me. Please do me one favor and subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends and leave a rating on whichever platform you're listening to this. It would honestly mean the world to me. Thank you so much once again. I hope that this episode brought value and inspiration into your life and I'll see you guys next week.